remember the first time I heard that music, I already knew the music that you hear underneath, which is Mahler's Third Symphony, the third movement, that famous scherzo. But then there's these voices on top, sometimes in English, sometimes in other languages. Sometimes they're commenting on the music as it goes. They're saying all kinds of things. As it turns out, the text is drawn, well, sometimes from Mahler's own score. Sometimes they're actually saying the instructions in the score while it's happening, which I think is pretty funny. Other times, they're quoting the great anthropologist Claude Levi-Strauss or Samuel Beckett, the great surrealist playwright. The piece is by Luciano Berrio. It's from his Sinfonia. This is the third movement. I think it's an example of, well, sampling, really, except it's being done here with a live orchestra, and the piece is from 1968. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted. The program today is called Antecedents. I'm interested in this idea of musical historicism. The idea is that in music history, we're always moving towards a goal, that music doesn't wrap back around itself. So we had early music from Bach, say, that was contrapuntal and not too complex harmonically. In Mozart, we get a little bit more complex harmonically. In Beethoven, more complex, different things happening. Each composer in each subsequent generation is trying to do something new, to add something onto what came before, kind of moving towards a goal. So it's a teleological explanation for music history. But by the time we get to the 20th century, all of this goes crazy. (laughs) We have so much experimental music. We have John Cage. We have atonal music, chance music. And not surprisingly, a lot of composers started to be inspired by history and to look back. One of those composers was Luciano Berrio. And we'll return to the Sinfonia later on in the program. I'm going to play the piece now by Charles Warrenin, a reliquary for Igor Stravinsky. What Warrenin decided to do was to pay homage to his late works, the atonal works, right after his neo-romantic period. So he's paying homage, but he's actually incorporating Stravinsky's music into his own piece. So that fits our theme perfectly today on the program. Let's hear the London Sinfonietta under Oliver Newson performing a reliquary for Igor Stravinsky by Charles Warrenin. Thank you. 
That's such an interesting piece. There's so many different fragments. If you know the homage to Dylan Thomas, one of Stravinsky's last works, it's a atonal work using an 11-tone tone row. And Warren is quoting it here, but he's doing something very, very interesting with it. He's taking a lot of liberties with it. Of course, composers have always been influenced by other composers. Beethoven would use a theme by Haydn. The theme and variations idea has been with us a long time. But this is something new, starting with Berio in the 60s and now with Warren in the 70s. We have a composer actually taking the material straight out of the score, what we would think of as plagiarism, except he's done it with permission, and reinventing it, putting it into a new context. And that's a theme of of the program today. I think it's a great example of it. The piece again, A Reliquary for Igor Stravinsky by Charles Warrenin. And we heard the London Sinfonietta conducted by Oliver Newson. Let's return to the piece that I opened up the program with today, the Sinfonia by Luciano Berrio, which was originally commissioned by the New York Philharmonic. And this third movement of the Sinfonia, he, he borrows from this movement of Mahler's Third Symphony, the famous, famous scherzo. And he doesn't borrow from it. I mean, he copies it <laughs> note for note. And he adds an eight-person cast of vocalists who are in, in a surrealist style, shouting at each other, <laughs> talking, whispering, saying nonsense, sometimes singing. But when they're singing, they're not singing anything that relates to the Mahler. It, it must have been just quite a spectacle in 1964 when this piece was first performed. And of course, this is long before we had this idea of DJs sampling other artists. And again, it's a big difference between borrowing a theme from a composer, paying homage to a composer, and lifting wholesale his music in, and, and reinventing it in this context. It really did start this whole new idea. But again, this is what was happening because composers had felt that they couldn't break new ground anymore necessarily, that everything had been done. I mean, John Cage had taken everything to either silence or chance. What can you do after that? And so they're reaching into the past to try to find inspiration and to reinvent what had been done before. Let's hear this movement now in its entirety. We're going to hear the Orchestre National de France with Pierre Boulez conducting, and the vocalists are the Swingle Singers, who, by the way, were on the premiere originally. Music of Luciano Berrio from his Sinfonia. <laughs> Thank you. 
I have not forgotten it. But I must have said this before, since I say it now.
Tchaikovsky hangs in the clean air. That was the third movement of Luciano Berrio's Sinfonia, and it's quoting the third movement of Mahler's Third Symphony, the great scherzo. I'm sure you recognized that piece. But he's doing more than quoting it. He's actually lifted the entire movement wholesale and then superimposed an octet of vocalists over the top. The vocalists are singing, they're yelling, they're whispering, they're talking, they're doing all kinds of, of wonderfully funny, uh, interesting, innovative, and at times even well, surrealistic things. It's vintage Berrio in that respect. And it really fits the theme on our program today as well. We heard the Orchestre Nationale de France, led by Pierre Boulez. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. My theme today is musical historicism, featuring three composers in the contemporary era who have reached deep into the past for inspiration. 
My program today is called Antecedents. That means what came before. I'm thinking about this idea of musical historicism, which is an interesting concept in music, in history in general, this idea that we often have that that we're moving forward to something. It's called teleology in philosophy, that there is a goal, an end goal, that we don't want to repeat what came before. That is certainly a huge, huge factor in classical music. I mean, you could go back in time, you could talk to Beethoven, you could talk to Chopin, you could talk to Liszt, you could talk to these composers, and they would definitely tell you that they're trying to break new ground. They're trying to do something different than what their predecessors did. Well, after about 300 years of this, though, there wasn't a whole lot more to do. So on the program today, I'm featuring some of these composers who were real groundbreakers in a different way. They were saying, what I think is new is to go back and recontextualize old music. I'm featuring three pieces on the program, and I'm going to devote the last half of the show to this piece by John Adams. It's called Absolute Jest. And I love this piece in in many, many ways, not only the way that he uses Beethoven. So this is an orchestral piece originally commissioned by the San Francisco Symphony. And Adams's idea was to put a string quartet in front of the symphony, and the quartet is playing almost entirely late quartets by Beethoven, while the orchestra is playing music by John Adams. And this meshes again into a kind of surrealistic pastiche not surprisingly. But the other reason I wanted to play this piece is it really fits our theme because Adams had the idea while listening to Michael Tilson Thomas conduct Stravinsky's Pulcinella. And Pulcinella, as you may or may not know, is one of his first pieces in the neoclassical style. He reached back into the past and reinvented Pergolesi, among other composers. So here's Adams seeing this, having this idea, and thinking, I want to do the same thing. So we're, we're seeing musical historicism inspired by musical historicism, which I absolutely love. It's Formed here by the San Francisco Symphony, Michael Tilson Thomas conducting, and the St. Lawrence String Quartet.
Fascinating music by John Adams. The piece is called Absolute Jest. It's this large-scale work for orchestra and string quartet. And you've got this incredible idea of the string quartet playing Beethoven and the orchestra playing John Adams. Uh, it's really interesting because you think of Adams and you think of him definitely as, as, as he calls it. He says, I've raided the dustbin of American music, which I love that phrase. But here he is. He's, he's raiding German music, specifically Beethoven, and combining it with all of this American vernacular, which is what we associate with John Adams. Really, really, really interesting music. Absolute Jest by John Adams. And we heard the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Michael Tilson Thomas, who of course inspired the piece with a previous performance by Stravinsky. And we also heard the St. Lawrence String Quartet. This episode of Relevant Tones has been produced by Daniel Goldberg.